What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. How many y'all are blessed today? Man, blessed in our goings and in our comings, amen? Today, well, we're kind of starting. We're going to get started with our, per- our journey with Paul today, uh, who was Saul first. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, last week, I talked to you guys about, we did it a little different. Praise team got a break. God had me playing music and preaching all at the same time. And so uh, we took a look at my testimony. Um, if you're interested in that, there's about an hour and a half worth of testimony when I looked at it. So praise the Lord for all you that set through that. Amen. Luckily, we mixed it up with music, right? That made it a little bit better, right? So, but this week, we're going into what was part one, and now I guess we'll be part two, of our journey of faith. How many of y'all know that faith is a journey? Let me ask that again. Thanks, Anna. How many of y'all know faith is a journey? Amen. Faith is a journey. It's not a destination. You're never going to reach your full faith potential ever until you get to heaven. Then I guess you will. But uh, while you're here, faith should continually be growing in our lives. That's why we say faith is a journey. It's not a destination. Faith is something you pick up along the way as you're walking this thing out with God. Amen? So you're walking out your salvation just like I am. We're working out our salvation while we're here on the planet. Amen? How many of y'all would admit this morning we still struggle with stuff? We still struggle. See, my hand's up. I'm not just showing y'all what to do. My hand's up. We still struggle with stuff. Amen? Because what Paul said, remember the scripture? He said, I die daily. He had to crucify his flesh on a daily basis. And if you don't realize that you have to crucify your flesh on a daily basis, that's your first problem. That's something we call pride, which we talked about earlier, leads to every other sin. I mean, you think about it. You lie because you're proud. Because you don't want anybody to catch it, right? You're proud you got away with it, right? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Our key passage for the next six more weeks, I guess. It was a six-part series. Now it's seven because of last week. So for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about the journey of faith. And our key passage is going to come out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And through, through this series, I will be reading out of the NIV translation for those of you that are wanting to follow along with me. We no longer put the scriptures up here because we ought to be bringing our Bibles to church. Amen. I said, we ought to be bringing our Bibles to church, amen? See, in this society, we get too used to just looking on a screen and reading the scriptures, amen? You need to have a word for yourself and digging it. If you need a Bible, please let us know. We got some in the back. We'll give you one, amen? Amen? We got a whole box of Bibles. Well, if they're about gone, I got to get some more ordered. We have a whole box of Bibles, and that's what we do. We hand them out. That's what they're there for. Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, here's what it says. And I like this because Paul is admitting we're not there yet. Amen? He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, look at your neighbor and say, forget the past. And straining toward what is ahead. Look at your neighbor and say, look to the future. In verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's open with prayer this morning and we'll get started. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word that you're about to bring forth this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the man of Saul that turned to Paul, Lord, due to you, God. And we thank you for the lives he's changed, Lord. We thank you for the third of the New Testament that he wrote, God. And we just pray, Lord, as we take this journey over the next several weeks, that you would speak through me, that they would not be my own words, and that those listening would get something out of it and help us to grow in our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're going to talk about Paul. Now, here's the strange thing. Here's the deal with Paul, and we're going to talk about it today. Paul was the murderer, right? Some of y'all thinking, wait, what? Yeah, he was in the Bible. He was the one persecuting, killing Christians, or at that time they were known as the way, which we're going to talk about as we get into today's text. Uh, and he was the one doing all of that, and you would think with a man like that, it wouldn't be somebody you'd want to run into in a dark alley if you were a Christian and you wanted to tell him about Jesus, because he'd either have you killed, like he did Stephen today, he held the cloth while Stephen was stoned, we're going to talk about it, or he'd have you arrested and thrown in prison. Now, but the strange thing is, see, when God gets a hold of you, look at your neighbor and say, he'll change your life. Because this is the same man, as bad as all that was, he's the same man that wrote a third of your New Testament. All those scriptures you like to quote, here's what I'm almost going to guarantee you, almost guarantee. One of those scriptures that you like quoting on a day-to-day basis was probably written by Paul when he got saved. A lot of those, you know, I, I have, or, uh, what's the one uh, in Christ, of, let's see, I can do all things. Through Christ, you see, y'all know it already. Through Christ Jesus, who gives me strength? That was Paul. Now, I won't get into a bunch of those. Let's, we're going to start today, Lord, with a, or today with a man named Stephen, though. Let's talk about Stephen for a minute. Here's the deal with Stephen. See, Jesus has already ascended to heaven. Jesus is one of, or Jesus. Stephen is one of those people that's preaching the good news that Jesus brought to us, right? So he's out in the street preaching one day the good news of the gospel. Well, he ticks some religious people off, all right? So they have him arrested and they take him before a court. And here's what happens with Stephen. And you'd think, and I'm going to read part of what he said here in just a minute because I think it's interesting. He begins going in front of these high priests and all these religious leaders. He begins going through Israel's history. And talking about their deliverance as a people. You want to read about it? It is in Acts chapter 7. You can read about the whole speech. I'm skipping for the sake of time a little bit today. But I want you to understand, he starts talking about the history of Israel and their deliverance and Moses and all this stuff. And the religious guys are okay with that, right? Then he gets to a part where he kind of ticks them off some more. And this is what cost him his life. If you read verse 51 there in Acts chapter 7, he says, You stiff-necked people. How many of y'all know he's not making friends? How many of y'all would rather make friends with society? It's all right. You don't have to raise your hands. Some of us would rather make friends with society than living for God like we ought to be. Amen? What do I mean by that? I don't mean not telling them about Jesus. What I mean is you compromise too much. Well, God does say that in his word, but, right? This is June, right? Prime month, right? What we call it? Pride month? 
<laughs> Pride comes before a destruction. A haughty spirit. We don't. You're right. I'm sorry, Lisa. Thank you for correcting me. We don't. The world calls it Pride Month. We don't celebrate at the house. If we want to talk about a rainbow, the only rainbow I'm talking about is Noah. Yeah. And the covenant that God gave Noah through the ark. All right? And I ain't afraid to say it. You got a problem with that? You can take it up with God. Because that's the real meaning of the rainbow. Yet you notice how Satan likes to take something and twist it just a little bit. Because here's the deal with the enemy. He can't create anything. All he can do is mimic what God's already done. So what does he do? He takes a thing like the godly covenant that God gave us to say, I'll never flood the world again. The rainbow. Leave it to Satan to distort it and turn it into a Pride month. We just said the scripture. What's the scripture say about pride? Pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, let me just be real with you. If you're celebrating something like pride, that's probably why your life's so messed up right now. I'm just going to throw that out there because that is the number one, I think, like I said, it all leads to all the other sins. That's the number one thing that will cost you. But you notice how he twists it just enough to use a godly symbol like the rainbow. Now, something was pointed out to me the other day that I didn't catch before. The world's rainbow only has six colors. God's rainbow has seven. Amen? Because God's rainbow is the number of completion. It's done. Right? He's done and did it. I'll never do it like that again. Now, he did say it would end in fire one day. So that's still coming. That's in the future. So Stephen's standing before these religious knuckleheads, as I like to call them here at the church, and he's talking to them about Israel's history. Then he gets to this part that ticks them off again. You stiff-necked people, and I'm in verse 51 of Acts 7. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You tell a Jew that, you're going to tick some people off. Oh, come on, some of y'all don't know your history. Circumcision before Jesus was the sign that you're one of God's people, and that was only for the Jews. And Stephen just told him, you're still uncircumcised. Uh-oh. But these are the religious leaders. These are the ones leading the temple and in the churches, right? Dressed in the fancy clothes. Every time they pass someone that looks a little filthy on the street, they turn their head and walk away. You want scripture? The Good Samaritan. Luke 16, is that right? You can read the story for yourself. I don't have time to go there today. So Stephen said, and he says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Woo, that's what religious tradition will get you, a re resistance of the Holy Spirit. And that's, look at your neighbor and say, that's the danger zone. Because without the Holy Spirit, we're nothing. Just throw that out there. Well, it's just the Holy Spirit, Pastor. No. He's part of the Godhead. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all God. Amen. Three in one. I can't explain it to you. No other scholar can, right? They've tried. They've done it. They've tried, but they can't really explain that to you. But that's why he's God and we're not. There's always a mystery aspect to God. Was there ever a prophet? Your ancestors did not persecute, he continues there in verse 52. They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Talking about Jesus, the Messiah. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. How many of y'all know he's ticking religion off real good right now? 
You have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. They'll talk about the law. They'll talk about this is how to get godly. But when the Messiah came, they missed it. I still to this day believe there was probably some Pharisees on the day Jesus died and the earthquake and the temple was ripped, the curtain was ripped and torn. I still think there was probably a few that were like, oops, we made a mistake. Now, here's the deal. As much religion as they had, if they repented, I also believe they went to heaven. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us of any. I'm just throwing that out there. Because, you see, we always like to point fingers at other people. We talk about this in the Unified show going up this week. We always like to point fingers at other people, but see, while we're doing that, well, one, they taught us in the world, you got three pointing back at you, right? But see, when we do that, we forget what God has delivered us from. Well, those little heathens, they're acting like heathens. Well, so did you before you got saved. Just throwing that out there. We're going to talk about it. Let me, let me keep going. So, so he, right here, he ticks them off. That's when he makes them mad. So they're in... Verse 54, it says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. I don't even want to know what that scene looked like. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up at heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Where did Jesus tell them he was going to be? At the right hand of the Father. Woo, he's our ad. Uh, he's our uh, advocate, yes. I was about to say adversary, not adversary. Our advocate, amen, with the Father. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, here's, here's where we're going to jump into our story today. At this, they covered their ears. They didn't want to hear it. Y'all ever had worldly people that covered their ears? Maybe not physically. Now, I've seen some do it. La, 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 like a little kid, right? But you tell them something and they don't listen. That's the same as covering your ears. That means you're not paying attention, right? You're acting like you did when you were a child. And when, tr when truth is standing right in front of you, you miss it. Because you're not listening. Ooh, look at your neighbor and say, you got to listen to God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're going to talk about him in just a minute. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. They're stoning. Some of y'all, I don't know if everybody understands the concept, the concept of stoning, but it literally means what it said. They were probably taking the biggest stones they could find and throwing it at him. That was stoning. Until you died. That's it. Imagine getting hit by all those rocks and still saying, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Sound like Jesus when he was on the cross, right? Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And at the, after when he had said this, he fell asleep. So the Lord delivered him from some of that pain, amen? And Saul approved of their killing him. Young man named Saul. I like that it says young man, because when we're young, we make all kinds of mistakes, amen? Now, I've known some old people that can make some pretty bad mistakes. But I know when we're young, right, at least young in our faith, we can make a lot of mistakes, right? He approved of their killing him. 
On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Point number one this morning. Y'all ready? Even a man like this. Point number one, God wants us to come to him as we are. Thank the Lord. Thank heavens. I don't have to clean myself up up first before I get in God's presence. Amen. See, that's where the church has got it backwards today. We want to try to clean the people up and then get them in church. No, God says, come as you are into my church. He'll do the changing. How many of y'all know that's not your job? That's the Holy Spirit's job to change the person. You might plant the seed. You might invite them to church and they come to church, but there's nothing you can do in and of yourself that is going to save that person's soul except the Holy Spirit changing their life. So we just need them in the house. There's a scripture in your Bible, and I believe it's a psalm or a proverb, I don't remember, that talks about the stalls are empty where there's no oxen. What's that supposed to mean? Here's the deal. It's what my pastor always said. People are messy. So if there's no mess in your church, then probably God's not in your church either. Can I just throw that up there? If you ever meet a perfect church, don't go. Because as soon as you show up, it's going to be messed up. How many of y'all know we're not perfect? Those that think they're on, they're, they're struggling with that thing we call Pride. Let's talk about it. God wants us to come to him as we are. Here's what Romans 3, to 24 says. The righteous is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. Woo, check this out. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And look at your neighbor and say, that's you too. Now, some of you have been waiting to do this. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess. But I am too. See, some of y'all want to leave out that last part, right? We're all a mess. If there wasn't a mess in here, I'd question whether God was here either. Amen? So here's the deal. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by, what does it say? It says, by his, some of you ain't reading the NIV, but by his grace. What saves us? Nothing but God's grace. And I don't have time to get into grace more yet, but we, we will. If you've heard some of my messages, I've given you pretty good definitions of grace about the court case. I can't go there today. I'll miss the point here. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's by grace we're saved. Nothing we do ourselves. Okay, I'll go there anyway. All right, some of y'all were like, well, what are you talking about? We've heard me say it before, so when you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So here's the deal, and I talked about this because I know David was here because I said we got a lawyer in the house, right? So you go to court. Somebody kills one of your children. You go to court. You take them to court, and you win. That's justice. Then you take them to court, but if you go on past that, see, you take them to court, you win, and then you forgive them and drop all the charges that's mercy. God goes a step further. Check this out. See if you can't see the comparison here with Jesus. If you take that same person to court who killed your child, 
forgive them of all their, that they've done, drop all charges, and then invite them to live in your home as one of your own, that's grace. Say, what? That's exactly what God did for you. Humankind killed his son, right? It's in your bloodline too. We killed Jesus. He came. We killed him. God loved us so much though that he not only forgave us and dropped all charges if we come to Jesus and receive him as our Savior, but he invites you to come into his home and be one of his own children. That's grace. Romans 5 says this, you see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Check this out. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel message. You can go home. Just kidding. But that's the word. That's the advice. That's it. While we were still living in our mess that I was talking about it a minute ago, some of y'all won't admit you're still in a mess. While we were living in our mess, he still died for us. Woo, let's keep reading. Nine, Acts 9, we're jumping over. We're going to jump around a little bit in Saul's story so we won't ca- cover everything. But I want you to notice something. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to, here's that word that we talked about, the way. See, Christians came along later. That term Christian came along later. First, the church, God's believers were known as the way. That's their first name. So he's looking for the people belonging to the way. Here we go. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Verse 3 says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Was Saul's response. Saul asked. And then the Lord answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he replied, now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. How many of y'all realize that Saul at this point, he thought he had been doing the right thing? Okay. Yeah, he was getting people killed. He was having them arrested. But what he thought he was doing was cleansing the church. The Jewish people in that church. He thought in his mind... He was doing the right thing. He was clearing it out of all the scum, right? That group called the way that followed that Jesus guy that they say came and died and rose again. And then suddenly on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, you read the text, it was just there, we just read it. He asked for papers from the high priest so that he could arrest anybody he found in Damascus that belonged to the way and throw them in the Jerusalem prison. That's what he was there to do, so he thought. I mean, y'all can have those so you thought moments. Amen? But on his way, God changed him forever. Amen? Jesus shows up in front of him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, who you persecute. Now, I can just see, and some of y'all remember when God told you this same next line. I can see Saul sitting in the dirt, blinded by the light. He can't see. Y'all realize he lost his sight after this. Blinded by the light in the dirt, asking God who he is. And Jesus says, I'm Jesus who you persecute. Then what did he say to him, though? When he blinded him and showed him who he was, he said, now get up. Also, some of y'all ain't had those get up moments, huh? You were going your own way. You were doing what you thought was right. Some of you were caught up in the spirit of religion, walking your path, right? We go to church because mom and daddy went. Grandma went. We don't know why we were there. Suddenly on your road, while you think you're doing everything right according to religion and law, God stops you in your tracks. Jesus speaks to you, shows you the truth of who he is. Your life is forever changed, but while you're down in the dirt, probably feeling guilty for everything you've ever done in front of God, he says, now get up. Now y'all know what I mean by a get up moment? Lisa, I know how you were living. I know the sin you were living in. I know you're struggling. Not just Lisa, everybody in here. I'm just using her as an example. Lisa, I know what you're in, but here's the deal. Today, that changes. Now, get up. Oh, come on, y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't had those get up moments? He says, y'all, now get up. Go into the city. And you'll be told what you're going to do. Some of y'all got a call, and you don't even know what it is yet. All you know is God has saved you from something, right? But he's got a purpose for you. Jesus is saying, I know what you did back there. I got it, but I forgive you for it. Now get up and go to the city, and I'll tell you what you're supposed to do next. Point number two is we got to recognize our need for salvation. Without salvation, it's hopeless for all of us. Without Jesus, lives are hopeless. They're pointless. What is the purpose without Jesus? What's a normal work day look like for y'all? Y'all get up out of bed, you go to work, you come home, you eat, you go to sleep, you get up and do it again the next day. You might get a weekend or something every now and then, right? Life's pretty pointless without God and Jesus, isn't it? Right? All right, let me keep going so I don't get too sidetracked. We've got to recognize our need for salvation. If you don't think you need saved, then you're not going to get saved. Saved from what? I'm going to use Lisa again. She talked about this on Unified. She was living in homosexuality. She did not see it as a sin. She would have argued you down to your face that she was fine. She admitted on Unified, you'll have to watch the show. Books told her so. People told her so. But when God showed up, he did it in a miraculous way, right, Lisa? He covered her with his love and told her, this is not what I've called you to do. From that day, she was changed. If we don't realize there's anything to repent from, we're not going to repent. That's the point of the Holy Spirit. That's the point of God. You've got to know your need for salvation and how important that it is. Romans 6.20 says, we were, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from these things you are now ashamed of? What'd you get from it? You were living like a heathen out in the world. Did you get anything out of it? Did you have fun? See, sin's fun for a time. That's what the Bible says. But at the end, it ends in death. 
Sin seems fun for a moment. So what he's talking about is you, you weren't a slave to righteousness. You didn't know that you were doing anything wrong maybe even. And some of you may have known you were doing something wrong and you just kept doing it. Right, Devin? He talked about that on the show. What benefit did you reap at the time of these things which you're now ashamed of? Is there anything you're ashamed that you lost? Yeah, when you get saved, you got to give up some stuff. You got to give up some lonely nights. You got to give up some anxiety. You got to give up some depression. You got to give up some maybe alcohol addictions. You got to give up some drugs. You got to get up, give up some maybe times of persecution of your friends that you thought were your friends. Yeah, you got to give some stuff up. But in the end, how many of y'all know the reward is worth it? You never received Christ as your Savior. Guess what? There is not a Christian here who can, ex- who can explain to you the joy that they have in God. They can tell you all the words you want to hear, but until you experience it, you'll never know. What did you benefit? Those things result in death, he says. Verse 22, he says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages, here it is, that famous verse. Some of y'all know this is Paul. I told y'all, y'all know some of them famous verses. Those were Paul. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation's a gift. You don't have to receive it. But life's going to be better. I'm not going to say the persecution stops. You're still going to go through some struggles. I'm not going to say it gets easy, but the end result's better. Amen? Verse 7 there, Paul gets up. And the men traveling with Saul stood, they're, they're speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I mean, you know, the guilt was probably heavy there. What he had been doing. Jesus had just showed up, I'm God, I'm the guy you've been persecuting. I need you to go to the city, I'll give you further instruction. So point number three, salvation involves a change in lifestyle. What happened to Saul? He's blind, he didn't eat, he didn't drink for three days. Now a lot of that was probably guilt, but it was a change in lifestyle. He wasn't used to this, amen? There's a change in lifestyle and sometimes y'all better believe it. The Bible says sometimes we got to pray and fast. See, fasting is the one we like to leave out, right? Let's just say, because we as humans, we like to eat. That's not just an American thing. That's all over the world. I was going to say Americans, and I realized it, but I just say humans. We like to eat. Anybody argue with that? Some of y'all can probably tell I like to eat. Amen? But sometimes you got to fast. As a matter of fact, Jesus goes as far as to say some of these demons can't be cast out except with prayer and fasting. Oh, Lord, help us. Here's what 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, John said that, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You got a problem with that? Take it up with God. Don't come to me. I didn't write it. 
because salvation involves a change of lifestyle. If you claim that you're without sin, you are a flat-out liar, and you deceive yourself. The truth is not in us, it says, but he says, here's the hope. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Some translation says cleanse us. I like that word better, actually. From all unrighteousness. What's it take? It takes confession. So you got to realize my lifestyle is not right. You got to recognize I, got, I need salvation. He wants you to come as you are, but it doesn't stop there. It, see, some people want to come get their fire insurance and then go home and think they're good. What do you mean, preacher? They come and they're down an altar, they say a prayer, and then they go back right out there and live like they were before they came in. I said it before, salvation's not a prayer, it's a lifestyle. Imagine that. It's not about some words you said in a prayer, unless you meant those words, and you actually received Christ. But here's the deal, if you did, we should notice some change. Some things take time. That's not what I'm getting at. Don't condemn yourself because some things take time. Some things take time, but we should be striving for that change, not just giving in to that sin and continuing to live in it. Amen? Verse 10 there, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. I want to point something else out here in just a second. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask the man from Tarsus named Paul, or Saul, I'm sorry, for he is praying, or ask for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports. Here it is. See, a lot of churches caught up in this, and that's why they won't do anything. Oh, y'all gonna catch it here in just a second. Just get ready. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias was a little bit scared, right? You want me to approach who? I've heard about that guy named Saul. You realize God, as if God doesn't know what's going on, right? Do you realize he's been sent here with papers? He can have me arrested if I go to him. And you're asking me to do what? Oh, look at your neighbor and say, God's asking you to do the same thing. He's asking you to get out of your comfort zone. Uh-oh. And talk to that person who's living like a heathen who you thought there is no hope. for. I've met people. Anybody ever met someone like that and God told you to talk to them? I've been there. I've met people and I'm saying, God, you want me to talk to who? You know, can I just be real with you? I didn't have to go to him. God brought him to me. And I'm thinking of one guy in particular. I don't want to say names or nothing. He came up to me after work one night and was like, because here's the deal. While we were down, I was working at the quarry then. And uh, we was talking about uh, God and different things. I don't remember what all we were talking about. In front of the people there, he acted like he wanted nothing to do with it, right? After work, in the parking lot. He pulled me aside. Hey, preacher, can you tell me about this God you're talking about? See, some of y'all are scared for no reason. 
God's already made the divine appointment. But because many Christians are scared, what's the Bible say? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay? So your fear is pointless. You're not going to accomplish anything if you're afraid all the time. Sometimes you just got to do it. So Ananias is in that same predicament. I just wanted to point that out real quick. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, check this out, go. I mean, y'all ever, just one word. God says, go, you better get up and move. It's not, God, should I? It's how fast can I get there, right? Amen. God says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my Name. Any of y'all ever heard a name of a man named Billy Graham? Do you know that the only reason that Billy, that Billy Graham got saved was a little old lady was praying for him? Read his testimony sometime. Little old lady prayed for Billy Graham. Billy Graham showed up at some tent revival one night. Didn't know what he was. He didn't want nothing to do with God. He was a baseball guy, right? He liked baseball. And God changed him forever that night. But it was because someone took the time to pray for him. Now, I don't remember the whole story if she approached him or what and invited him to church. I don't remember all that. But I remember he talked about, she was praying for me. That's why I'm here. But do you realize how many millions, if not billions of lives Billy Graham changed? See, here's the deal. When God tells you to do something, you never know if you're talking and witnessing to the next Billy Graham. All you're doing is being obedient. Ananias had no clue that Paul was going to be the man that totally uprooted. He spoke to the Gentiles. He wrote a third of the New Testament. No clue. All he knew was this guy's been killing us, God. But he says he's going to suffer. How many of y'all know it takes some suffering? This Christian life ain't a bed of roses. But here's the deal. Every rose has a thorn, right? So if you think you're on a bed of roses, that's when you get pricked, Right? It's not going to get easier, but the benefits are better, amen? So here's the deal. God's point number four, God's master plan for your life begins with salvation. That's it. That's where it starts. We've got a journey we take here at Next Level Freedom, and I don't know how many of y'all have caught it, but here in the back, there's a banner that talks about our journey. Begin, build, bond, become. Now, some of y'all are going to notice it the next time you're back there. Begin involves salvation. It involves baptism. That's what we're talking about today. Salvation is the beginning. That's of the master plan. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says, Even before the world was made, God had already chosen us to be his through our union with Christ so that we would be holy and without fault before him. Because of his love, God had already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would make us his children. This, check this out. Some people don't realize this. This was his pleasure and purpose. God wants you to be saved. It's his pleasure to offer you a plan of salvation. That's still, that's where it starts. Acts, let's wrap up the story of Saul today for the day. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, I like that. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. 
He got up and was what? Baptized. We're going to have a baptism service next month. I got to pick a date for that. We got some people wanting to be baptized. We do it out at the Trail of Tears. So uh, we do that out there, and we enjoy that every time we do it. Uh, He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength, and Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. He spent time learning. Amen? From the very people who were afraid of him before. Can you imagine the first time Ananias showed up with Saul? Remember, the Bible says Barnabas is the one that finally spoke up and said he's a good man. Right? The last point today is that the plan continues with baptism. So you get saved first, then you're baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. It's a separate thing altogether. Salvation, baptism shows something that's already happened inside of you. It shows the rest of the world what has changed in you. Let me give you some scripture so you're not scared, right? John 3, 5 to 8 says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. A lot of people want to take that verse and say that means baptism saves you. That's not what the Bible says there. The Spirit's important. That's the first thing. And water is water baptism because Jesus encourages us to be baptized. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You never know when it's going to hit you. Amen? Amen. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Check this out. That's that right there, the Jews. That's like, whoa, hold on. Because they had to be circumcised. That was the original plan, right? Check out what he says. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It is symbolic to what Jesus did before us. We die to our old self when we go under the water. We rise anew in Christ. Amen? Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. There's the address. So whatever you did back there doesn't matter anymore. The world's going to constantly remind you of it. Matter of fact, you're your own worst critic. You're going to constantly remind yourself of what you did. That just recognizes you recognize how I'm really not worthy, God, but thank you, right? I'm not worthy of your salvation, but thank you that you saved me. Nothing we can do ourselves. Last scripture, we're getting ready to close. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then check this out, then you are Abraham's seed. We are adopted into God's family and heirs according to the promise. Can y'all believe there was segregation back then? 
Some of y'all thought you lived in a world, this stuff's never happened before. Oh, yeah, it has. The stuff you're seeing in the news, that's nothing new. That's been happening since the beginning of time. The world's still falling. It's in sin. That's why we say in our Unified series, when we let people share their testimony, the whole purpose is God uses real people to make a real difference in a fallen world. For every time you fail, God was going to use that as a testimony to somebody else. All of you have a testimony. Don't matter if you were raised in church. If you haven't heard Zach Strong's interview I did on Unified, I was listening to it again the other night. Go ahead and go listen to that. He was raised in church. But you should see the stuff God did for him. The miracles. And it's always encouraging to hear other stories, amen, especially when people that have been there and God used them to make a difference. If you're tuning with us online this morning, thank you so much for joining with us. Uh, if you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it is as simple as asking him to save you. Amen? You just say a prayer similar to this one. It's not about the words. It's about what happens in your heart. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose in the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. And it doesn't take all those words. It's about repentance. Peter said, repent, all of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what he tells us in Acts chapter 2. It's for all all generations. That's the beauty of it. It didn't stop back in the Bible. He wants to save you today. Thank you so much for joining with us online. God bless. We'll see you next time.